Hello there. Hi, very, very, well, very big welcome. <laughs> my eighth Zoom meeting today online, so I um, might stumble over my words a little bit. But thank you so much for joining me. I'm Jo Baldwin-Trot. This is the Being Fine live chat. Um, I'm very thrilled to be here tonight um, with a kind of a guest author. Um, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But thank you for watching tonight. Very excited to be streaming, not just to Facebook, YouTube, but also LinkedIn. So this is my first LinkedIn live, if you like. Um, but we have had such a response to our Being Fine book on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, most of our authors are a little bit older than my guest tonight, um, but they have uh, all got very big, very successful professional lives, um, but they are sharing their story in this amazing book, Being Fine, the other F word. Uh, they are talking about their struggles, uh, mental health, depression, suicide attempts, and they're opening up, uh, some for the very first time, but that our book is now available on Amazon, on paperback, and obviously on Kindle. So instead of one of the authors from Being Fine tonight, um, I'm really excited and very grateful to have our guest tonight. He has done what um, a lot of people think of doing, but he's done it and he did it very quickly. Um, and But he also, there's a very big reason why Perry Power has at last uh, allowed himself to share his story. So a very big welcome to you, Perry Power. Hi. Thank you, Joe. Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. I've, you said about like your eighth meeting today, and especially since I'm launching my book, I can heavily relate. But, but what great opportunities they are, though. It's a good problem to have. It is. And actually, we've got, there's this constant audience. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm watching more stuff than ever when I wouldn't normally be. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a really good time to do what you've done. And, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it. I'm just going to get you to tell us what you did when you just went on to TikTok and something magical happened. So uh, tell us about the TikTok moment, Perry. Yes, yeah, so about a year and a half ago, uh, this relatively new platform came out called TikTok. I went on there. It's just girls dancing, they're singing, teenagers, they're dancing. It's just happy vibes, right? That's all you go at the time. You just go on for happy vibes and Perry Power comes along and wants to disrupt that, right? <laughs> You still did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said that again. And because I I I had this this message and I was talk at the time I was in communication with a lot of adults. So a lot of adults, men and women, more so women, would reach out to me and they'll tell me about their story on with abuse. And I and you know for example it would be like 15 years ago i was abused and i've been in silence x y and z but it happened quite a while ago i wanted to talk to the people i.e the kids and the teenagers where it was either happening present or it didn't stop that too long ago right and tiktok came about i was like okay well in business sense my niche right, my target market are on tiktok and so I just, I was like, you know what, screw it, just do it. So I put a video together as a story, as a story. I've worked in storytelling for like nearly six or seven years now. And and that's all I love to do is tell stories. And I put a story together in as a 60 second video and I put it onto TikTok. And right now it's got 250,000 views. That first video, my highest one is 5.9 million views. And that was a story on my dad about my dad's um, battle living in silence, how he used coping mechanisms, uh, became an alcoholic, and then he passed away in silence at the age of 48. And that one just blew up. And 
it what I didn't expect was what was going to happen, right? Because I did, you can't message people on TikTok unless they're following you. So if you're, if you're a creator, you're usually on, well, 9.9 times out of 10, you're not following the people who are watching your content because you're a creator, right? So it's not like Instagram, you can just follow. It's not really the same thing. So I wasn't following anyone. So nobody could message me. So therefore, because my Instagram was linked up in my TikTok, all of a sudden, anywhere between five and 20, legit between five and 20 messages every single day in my outbox on instagram was full of kids and of teenagers messaging me either saying thank you for sharing your story means a lot that's it or it was thank you for sharing your story i can relate because i went through it or the third time was thank you for sharing your story um i'm kind of going through at the moment and i don't know what to do and it was just crazy 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 response Wow, that must have really shocked you, I should imagine, because it's one thing to share your story, but then to suddenly have all this, this a, a situation, if that's the way to call it, but that must have been quite hard to deal with, I should imagine. Yeah, so prior to TikTok, about two years prior to TikTok was the first time I shared my story and broke my silence. So I'd already been sharing my story consistently before that, that TikTok situation. So I'd already fully experienced um, people confiding in me, people breaking their silence with me. That part was fine. I'll tell you what, where it got uncomfortable, and I'll tell you why it got uncomfortable, because it was my first message that I got. It was from a girl who was living at home with her mum and with her um, uncle, and he was raping her, and she was burning out cigarette, uh, cigarettes on, on her skin. Right. Mm -hmm. So she was getting abused sexually and she getting abused physically from her mum and her uncle. Right. And in that message, she just like shared with me that, that that's what's going on. She goes, I'm really struggling, but uh thank you for thank you for sharing your story. And I remember I read it and and I don't have regrets. I could sit here and be like, I wish I replied back sooner. But when I saw that, I don't know, it it, it made me feel like, oh wow. And then I didn't. And then I just didn't even visit my Instagram inbox for about a month to two months, because it made me. I was like, "What on earth?" Because I, I felt this responsibility, right? Because she came to me, I felt this responsibility to, to stop what was happening to her, right? Mm -hmm. But then I got overwhelmed with this with this sense of like responsibility, and it just made me take a, a back seat. And then I was meditating one day. It's very random how it just happened. I was meditating one day and I asked myself the question. And I was like, Perry, when you first shared your story, did you share your story for a response? And I was like, well, no, because I, I don't agree. You don't do things for a response because you can't control the reaction of person or persons as a collective. Mm -hmm. So you're just sharing for yourself. And I was like, wow, I just wanted to share because I just wanted to be heard. Mm -hmm. That was it. I just wanted to be heard because for 12 years, I wasn't heard because I was living in silence. I just wanted to be heard. And that was it. And then when I realized that, I went straight back to her and, I, and it took me days to, to follow up with all the messages, five to 20 a day, didn't respond back for a month to two months. And I responded back to every single one of those messages. And it's crazy. And this is where it positively took a turn because there was one girl that I followed back up with who she was living at home. She was being um, abused by her mom and by her stepdad, this girl. And her real dad wanted custody of her right but she wasn't able to go but she was being sexually and physically abused by her mum and by her stepdad um and when i went back to her i asked her what the update was and she told me that she 
from the back end of our conversation, she took her mum and her stepdad to court and she won. Yeah. And she was, she won and her dad got custody of her. And mm-hmm. that literally, that just, I can't, I can't put it into words that, that feeling that I had, but that was when I realized this is what I need to do for the rest of my life is help these people with this message through my, through which now is going to be my book through the charity, through the movie that I'm going to create. I just make it a consistent thing to help as many people like that have outcomes that are similar to that. Wow. I hope you feel really proud of yourself for that. Cause you know, without you doing that first step that you did, which was very brave in itself. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. And I really want to commend that just remarkable. But, you yeah. know, I think we all, we all feel at some point we want to help someone with their lives but to help someone so significantly is it's remarkable yeah it I really agree. is yeah so well done cry. every time i say that story i cry oh my gosh and that, and obviously that that is someone you know about but the people you don't know about exactly. the people you will never hear about they could be already by now thousands good well, goodness who knows within six months a year yeah and i so i've had uh so far from this morning i last checked 506 copies of my book sold right and it's been uh, i don't know how long it's been i think it's been like between two and three weeks uh i think it was two fridays ago i dropped the book 506 copies i'm just what do you know what i mean i'm like what like and that's not off the back of publicist or anything that's literally just my 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 network then obviously my network then sharing it on because of the message but in relation to what you said there, I've had plenty of feedback, but I haven't had four, 506 copies worth of feedback. Do you know what I mean? I haven't had 506 people message me to say how the, how the book is. So I know it's whatever you're getting feedback wise, it's in an abundance in people not giving you that feedback. Mm. You know, it's just, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And, and you won't, and they could be anywhere, Japan, who knows? They could be people reading your book um hearing your message that are being impacted that is the beauty of our life and our world now is that we can create a message that can reach many and i personally think it's one of the biggest gifts of this time this weird year that we've actually realized how connected we are that we are all actually just one and we can really support each other even though we don't really know each other Mm. um so just amazing let's come let's come back to the book because you have done uh, what so many people consider and don't do, but you literally have published um, from start to end your own book, which is incredible. Um, you have done it in such a short time as well. I know how hard it is. I'm on my third co-author book, is what I call the multi-author books. Um, what has that been like for you? So on the back, we'll come back to your story in a minute, obviously, because that's you know the big reason why you're here. But what has that been like for you to uh, to experience that? Because it's quite a responsibility in itself. Don't you, don't you find? I certainly do. <laughs> yeah, it it it's, it is a big response. What I remember, um, it's like everything. Everything that we look at, everything we touch, comes from an idea, right? This laptop was once an idea. This mic was once an idea, and to this is the first time. I've, I've, and this isn't as well. I get you. I don't know if you'd class it as the same thing or not, but I 
I've always, and I do would like to at some stage in my life to have a physical business, just have a business that's physical. Cause I, I want a product in my hand that I've created. I want a physical thing. I want a tangible and to go from idea of this book to be writing it on my laptop. So it's still not a physical thing, right? Mm. To then to upload it to Amazon, still not a physical thing. It's just there on a laptop. And then to get um, a video through uh, from somebody uh, dropping the book out of the Amazon parcel. And I'm thinking, I get those Amazon parcels, but it's never my book. It's another book that I brought. And that's my face falling out of the envelope. And I'm like, Jesus. And then all these, and then they all start coming through. And now in my hand is my friend said to me he's like are you not sick of seeing your face so much right <laughs> because my face is everywhere and I'm like you obviously don't know me if you're asking that question but <laughs> you're an actor you're used to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's just in answer to that is it's a great great responsibility and it's also something to I don't know it's very hard to get used to 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 look I'm, I've been reading books for years you know I try to I try to stick to one book a week it doesn't always pan out that way but I and so I'm an avid reader but now for my book to be part of that group of books mm. is very is, is weird it's weird but i know that the impact that it's creating is just absolutely is is insane like i can never have guessed the impact that it would have had you know yeah just blown yeah. out the water it really has and and you've you've already been on fox news uh, yeah. new, new york times are knocking at your door is that right yeah so that that's this is an interesting one um uh, the, the, so the new york post i so, I mean, and, and that's huge. And I got introduced and I'm just, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my fingers because they said that people who are in the New York Post are mainly from New York. They can do it from um, other other states in the US if it's a great story. But somebody who's in a different country, they said it, 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 they said it probably won't pass. He goes, however, mm -hmm. before I say no, let me pass it to a colleague of mine who is British, but she lives in the States and she covers everything to do with sexual abuse. And apparently she saw it. She goes, I want him. So I'm crossing my fingers that that happens. And what I'm, I mean, you're British, so you, you know what I'm going to say now, but my goal is to get on Sunday brunch this morning and uh, good morning, Britain. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate. I think I'm very fortunate to just, just, just these relationships I built. So like last year from the TikTok videos, I had a journalist reach out to me who works for mm -hmm. an agency um, and the agency that he works for, are the ones responsible for putting people onto those TV shows I just mentioned. But then he couldn't do anything with my story because I didn't have a charity. I didn't have a book. And my granddad wasn't prosecuted because he died two years after. So the whole story could be fake. And I'm just, could be somebody just trying to get attention, Ooh, which, okay. which it, here's the thing. Take the emotions out of it. I see where they're coming from because there are yeah. people out there who may do that and who probably have done that. So I get it. Um, but then a year later, I have a charity I have a book and I just thought, you know what? Let me just reach back out to him because I saw he's been seeing all of my stories. He's been following me and mm -hmm. I reached back out to him and goes, it's time now. Now he works for the sun. So, um, so my article is going out in the sun this week. And, um, and he said, once the article is out in the sun, I'll put you in contact with the woman who runs the uh, TV organization for good morning Britain and those ones. And now you have leverage, you know, you're not some guy who's lying, uh, because you wouldn't have any of this. So, I'm just hoping because it's the thing. If I get on these platforms, the, the bigger the platform, the more people is gonna respond to the message in in a, in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, I said when when's Oprah because that's next. You know, that's that's on. The, I've seen that. I've seen it in my vision, Harry. It's a done deal. I tell you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Joe. I appreciate it. No, honestly, I, I, it's just incredible. 
Um, and you know what you just said then is like it it's part of your journey you've done the most remarkable thing um, create a charity before we come on to that which is obviously the very positive outcome and the silver lining if you like another silver lining of, of you being incredibly brave so just to to recap your dad sadly passed um, and then that enabled you as far as I understand from your, reading your book to then open up tell us what happened very yeah so so when I was 10 years old I was uh, sexually abused by my granddad that ha that lasted for over a year and a half and the reason why it stopped was because we were sitting in the living room now sometimes I would sit in my granddad's lap and now bearing in mind all these things that happened in regards to sexual abuse with my granddad when I was at that age I didn't know what he was doing one was sexual abuse because 16 years ago I'm 26 now 16 years ago Sexual abuse wasn't a thing that was on the news, that was in the papers. It just wasn't a thing that was loud enough for me to even have heard the, of the words. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know it was wrong. And plus, he was my granddad. So if he's doing something to me, it, it didn't fathom mind that there could have been a possibility that what he's doing was wrong because my granddad, you respect your elders. So so I was sitting on his lap. He was watching Eggheads, this old British TV show. Um, and... We was on a single, single like armchair couch, like a recliner couch, but it was positioned in a certain way that's facing the TV. Whoever was sitting in the room, because of where those sofas were positioned, you couldn't see us front on, right? So I was on his lap. We was watching TV. My my stepmom was on uh, one of the couches, and my granddad was sm smoking a roll up cigarette. He had his hand over the arm of the couch, and she was just watching TV. And then his cigarette drops out of his fingers, lands on the floor. She doesn't take no notice. She's just assuming she's going to lean over and he's going to pick up the cigarette. But he doesn't. And it stays there. And he's burning a hole in the carpet. My stepmom's looking at us and her spidey senses just ping off. And then she stands up and she calls me while she's walking out the room. So then I get off his lap. Now, bear in mind, I don't remember any of this. This whole thing, this whole situation is not a single memory in my brain. But mm -hmm. apparently she called me in. She questioned me. And then, uh, and then she called my dad, and we drove home. And apparently, I, I said in the car about what, about what he had just done in the living room there. And then my dad said to me, "Right, because at some point in that conversation, he was like, right, don't talk about it. Right, just don't speak about this because I don't want a black cloud over the family. I don't want you going to school, start telling all your mates, you know." So at the time, I was like, "Okay," didn't think anything. I was like, "Okay," I'm not thinking, "Oh, this is gonna mess me up growing up," you know. I was just like, "Okay, sure." And plus, I don't want to go to school and start t talking about, you know, about what was going on. It's the last thing I want to do. So I didn't do it. Um, I never went around and saw my nan again for about two years. That's because two years after that event, my granddad died from a heart attack at work. So then I started to go back around to my nan's house and started to see her again. And and um, for, for, for many years, I was growing up through school and I don't, it didn't, it didn't really, it didn't really impact me until I was in my late teenager years, 16, 17. So when I was 16, 17, my nan had already passed. We sold her house. We used that money to move out of London and move to Berkshire. So we moved to Berkshire to this place called Bracknell. And when I was moving into Bracknell, I was thinking, right, nobody knows me here, right? Because the guy who was living in London was a virgin. He wasn't good with the girls. He wasn't an alpha male, right? He was introverted. When I go to this place, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Because the reason why I was like that is because I'm the guy who got molested by his granddad, right? There's a lot of insecurities, and I can't be as confident guy if I've got lots of insecurity. Where you can sometimes it's a front, which I want to get onto now. When I moved to Bracknell, 
I was like, right, I'm an actor. I want to create a character and I'm going to method act and I'm going to become that character. And I became this character when I went to this college. I, I, I was the guy who'd already slept with loads of girls. I was super confident. I was alpha male and it worked. I faked it till I made it right. Like that character actually became me. And I, and at the time it was great because people loved me, right? The girls loved me. The guys loved me. It was fantastic. It was great. And then, right. And then, um, and then I left college. I did a bit of traveling. Then I came back, became a personal trainer. And then in, in about 2014, my dad started to drink, right? But he's, he's always he's always drunk, but he started to drink a bit more than usual. And then as it went into like 2015 and 16, the drinking turned from weekend drinking to weekday drinking, then from at-home drinking to in the car drinking. And and then he just he just became uh, an invisible, I call it invisible, an invisible alcoholic because there's no way you could tell. He was the most functional alcoholic you would ever meet in your entire life. You would not know he was drunk. Except for me, I knew every time he was drunk because I knew bloody how many hairs he had on his body, right? Because my like my mum left when I was four. We've got a great relationship now, but my mum left when I was four. So it was just me and my dad for a while, just me and him, right? So we had that like unique bond. I was the best man at his wedding when I was nine years old, right? So like we were best friends. And so I knew um, when he'd had a drink. And when it came to January 2017, he became a diabetic. And here's the thing, right? He never just became a diabetic out of the blue. He, it was that first domino that he flicked. He became an alcoholic, which leads on to the next thing, which leads on to the next thing. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And he just, he just started to stack up. Became a diabetic in January. Then in 2017, um, he died. Uh, it, June the 1st, he had a heart attack, very randomly, out of the blue. He's 48 years old. And that was a wake-up call for me. That was, a, that was a wake-up call. I went through my grieving process. I went through the hate. I went through the blame. And then, I, and then I became obsessed with trying to connect the dots. Why was he an alcoholic? You don't just become an alcoholic out of the blue. There's a reason. It's a coping mechanism for something. But what is that something? And then Lewis Howes came out of a book called Mask and Masculinity. And I watched his interview on, on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And he was talking about two masks in particular, about the alpha mask and about the, uh, coming with the other one, um, but how you were in front of girls. And slapped me in the face because like that's what i've been doing when i moved to bracknell i put on those masks that he's talking about and then i realized and I, and then i became obsessed with just trying to like increase this awareness about myself because i don't know myself i'm not having that i'm not moving forward about knowing who i am and um and then i went to a business mastermind event i i broke my silence in front of four people and then driving home, I did a video. I put it onto Facebook, broken my silence to everybody. And then that is when it, 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 that's when the snowball started to roll and started to grow and started to increase. But what's crazy, right, is that when I first shared my story and went onto Facebook, my family then knew everything. Everybody knew, right, who's connected to me about, what, about the sexual abuse. But that time when my stepmom pulled me out of the living room, it was evident that in the car on the way home, I only told him about that one time. So on the video, when I said it was happening for a year and a half, I obviously kept that quiet as a kid, even to my parents. So they didn't know about that. And then when I went to my auntie's house, I then find out that it was me, it was my cousin, it was my auntie, and it was my dad, who were all abused by him. So then it made sense why my dad became an alcoholic, because he was sexually abused growing up. 
and he lived in silence and he inflicted that pain onto himself, became an alcoholic and he died in silence. And what I also found out was that my granddad um, grew up in a Catholic church in Ireland in a boarding school and he was abused by the priests in that boarding school. Because if you've ever seen the film Spotlight, um, in Spotlight, at the end of the Spotlight film, before the credits, they come up with a list of institutions, boarding schools all around the world that have documented cases of the priests molesting the kids. And where he grew up, the school he went to, is listed in that film. And then it, and then it's about that generational cycle of abuse. And when I realized that, I was like, one, I'm breaking this abuse. I'm not going down the path of drinking. I'm not saying my dad chose it. It's not like he's like, in the future, I'm going to become an alcoholic. You don't, I know there's an element of not really having a choice. It's an element of you do have a choice. You know, it depends on what way you look at it. But I was like, one, that's not happening to me. I'm not passing this trauma on to my kids because I haven't mm-hmm. sold it myself. You know, um, if you read Body Keeps a Score, he talks about that a lot in his book. And not only that, but I'm going to help as many people as I can, especially grown up, grown-ass men, to not go down the same path as my dad and break that silence. And for people like me, young adults, to also break the silence and, and live with that message. Well, you haven't just broken the silence. You've broken the cycle. You know, yeah. and that is the key. That is, and it's so sad to hear your story. I've read it, but you know, just obviously hearing it from you is more profound and and more, um, you know, heart wrenching. But um, yeah, it just you, it feels like when I read your story and I saw your title, I thought, gosh, you haven't just broken the silence; you've broken this cycle. And that's the beautiful, the most beautiful thing for me to see. Um, I have personally had abuse myself, um, and it's one of the one of the things I promised again, like you, uh, I promised my kids I would never ever do anything um, to do to keep that to keep that cycle. I would break it and do something different. So I, I think it's remarkable what you've done, um, and it's and it's remarkable how you're able just to be able to share it. So I know you're an actor, but still, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, not playing, an actor. you're not a playing a part now, are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh god! You know, I mean, would you play your own part in a in a movie? Could you do that? Yeah, it's, 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 this is a great question. It's a great question because there are some people who don't want to play themselves in their own movie because they rather would observe it as a director and have the actor fill in their shoes. And I completely get that side. I really do. But this is a story where I need to I need to fill those shoes. You know, um, oh my that's just really hit me that. Yeah, I, I need to, and, and this is no discredit to other actors and their craft and how they can't portray it. I'm not coming out from that angle. I'm coming out from the angle that I, I'm, two reasons. I'm very much the guy, I'm very much the actor who believes that um, my stories will be able to change the world through the art that I'm creating, not through my art, my agent putting me forward for a role and I audition and I get the job. I don't see me um, getting to the level that I want to get to through that means. I threw it, I see it through creating my own platform. So that was the first you know the first thing but but really ultimately with this movie like i know every i know every bit of detail and i know every, how i felt in every single moment mm-hmm. and I, and it's just more true to me if if i'm the the guy who's portraying the character that i'm writing mm-hmm. which is basically just me yeah you know? yeah no i understand that yeah but um but i guess you know you may i suppose change your mind um because it, it must be quite nice to be able to create the movie from from the director's side, I suppose, with, with seeing it so crystal clear from from the outside in, I suppose. But I think yeah. that's a 
again an incredibly brave thing to do um and again i know i know obviously people like uh, companies like netflix are crying out for material they're crying out for original material you know that so much more now is based on true stories I, i've speaking to um, some authors last night actually that are going to have their story um, i'm going to publish their book and then that's going into a film and, and we're just saying who needs to create fiction you, you just don't because sadly um, you know tragically there's so much reality that you know, yeah. we don't. We need fiction. We we can we can we can create stories and movies um, on the real the reality of life. Unfortunately, yeah. um, but you know that the, the the sad the continuous horrible. I've had so many friends, and I've got some f- very famous friends who've gone through boarding schools that have been abused to a sickening level. I mean, it just it really is hideous um thankfully they have also broken the cycle which is wonderful but they've suffered for a long long time what i think is incredible um with you perry is that you've 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 managed to find the courage and strength to do it so early on so many people and obviously some in the being fine but um thankfully not talking about abuse but haven't been able to break the silence till till later on much later on when they've got divorces under their belt and you know, um, broken families. So again, it's it's so admirable. You you are an old soul in a very in a young body. Very, I don't know if anyone said that before, but that's how I I see you. I really see your soul. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> that's how I wanted, Joe. I appreciate it. Oh no, it's it's amazing. And obviously, you have come on to do one of those amazing things that I feel that you can do once you've you've suffered, and that is to help others. Tell us about your amazing charity. Yes. So on the back end of all those messages on Instagram that came through TikTok, I wanted to find a way to kind of like help them further at a larger scale. And a friend of mine, Juliet, she she was raised in a foster home. She was put on a doorstep of a foster home in, in America. And this foster home, when she got to a certain age, she became part of like the... Um, she, she, she joined the other kids in that foster home. And these kids, basically the foster parents almost had like a, a, a list of clientele. The clientele would come around, the kids would line up, each one would get raped, each one would get tortured. And the kids would have to hold down the other kid whilst it was happening. And Juliet was raised in an environment that you only really see in films. You like, you know, I had somebody message me, like her stories in the book. I had somebody message me, like, I love the book, but Juliet's story, I don't, there's no way it's real. I'm like, I, I know you don't mean harm by saying that. Right, because I know you're not discrediting Juliet's story. Because I understand um, trying to accept that that is actually a reality that happens out there, and unfortunately, it is a reality in a lot of foster care homes, especially because it is as as bad as it is. There's a lot of kids that get lost in the system. There's a lot of kids that go to foster homes and then get forgotten about by the by the system, and these foster homes can get away with it because they're not checked, right? And that was the case with Juliet's, and she luckily got rescued by by um by like a foster mum, uh, a brand new mum. And uh, and she lived a great life a great life of love after that. And she was already uh, building like a charity in the early stages. And, and I noticed that she wanted to bring on somebody, ideally, who shares the same vision. And uh, we were already friends. We were already connected. She was already known what I was doing, was on a friendship level. And then we just like, should we just, should we just like come together? Like our stories are so powerful. Let's come together. So there's me, there's Julia and there's Sam. Um, Sam's an awesome guy. He's like a tech wizard. So he, he helps us with the, with the charity, um, Beautiful Soul. And 
is three of us just uh, just trying to make it happen. And pa- I won't lie, the pandemic slowed it right down. I was hoping to have our first safe home uh, in America the begin the the end of last year, but we can't do that before we get nonprofit stat- status. And that hasn't come through just yet. But what's really awesome is that um, we're getting donations through, which is amazing. And this week we went live on our biggest campaign, which we've been working towards for so long. And it's where you can sponsor a child, right? So you can sponsor a child for a monthly sponsorship fee. And for that sponsorship, you're paying for this child, right? This specific child um, to get therapy from a child therapist. Mm-hmm. And they have they are a victim of sexual abuse. And like, you know, you know that your money that you're literally donating every month is going towards Sarah, right? Who is 12, whose parents put her, um, put her forward to, to get picked uh, from us as a charity. And to have therapy sessions for twelve months with a child therapist that um, is assigned with us, so it's just it's, it's just doing work like that is just it's not even work. It's just, it's, it's an honor, you know. Wow, and, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's amazing. And and is that a global charity or is that set up in the US? It's set up in the US. It's it's a hell of a lot of work to go to go um over to go out like it. I didn't even think it was going to be. It's like, why is it that hard? Like, it's so hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's stupid hard. But uh, because I, because I'm, so the, the two co-founders are American. I'm British. I'm like, I want, I want, we rescue kids. I want it over here. I want to create safe homes over here. That's going to happen. But uh, it's going to take probably about a year before that can happen, for before we can come, because we need a lot more foundations set up in the States um, before. So when we contact a British lawyer, like, here's what we've got in the States you know and then it's much easier to bring it over so it is in the plans once it's in the uk i'm sure it will snowball and then it can kind of go everywhere that's a plan yeah yeah good to have a plan always good to have a plan yeah yeah so, <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's that's amazing i really think and i, I wanted to come on to that actually because i i'm assuming you i hope you it sounds that like you've had some kind of help yourself you've had some therapy you've had support uh, through your journey because it's um it's hard to, to cope with all this, isn't it? Cope, cope with what you've done, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's interesting. I um, I've had therapy. I haven't. I never uh, went down the path of getting therapy to help with the abuse. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, somebody who's been abused or if they live in a silence, I would never say to them, "You don't need therapy," because I never got therapy. I'm not going down. I'm not saying that. I believe, and I truly do. I've just moved to Guildford. I've only been there four weeks, and I'll be. And I've been looking around, picking the right therapist is no easy task, you yeah. know, um, because it's not somebody you just want to be with for a month, right? So um, when I found the right therapist, I'll be buddying up with them here in Guildford because I truly, and I just want to say this, it deserves uh, the time to say this, is that I believe everyone, every single person on this planet should have a therapist, right? Because having a, going to therapy, and because there's stigma around going to therapy. I was on a radio show last week. She's a therapist. And she runs this radio show. She was like, there's such a stigma around therapy. You know, if you're like, oh, I go to therapy, people assume something's wrong with you. There doesn't need to be anything wrong with you to have therapy. It's just to go and to confide in somebody and just speak. Speaking is the biggest therapy. And I believe everybody, everyone on the planet should have a, should have a therapist for sure. So I just want to, I just want to get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. It has. And that's where having, loving people around you i know some people aren't fortunate enough to have that um because i've seen it firsthand and when that is the case it's like 
the only person you can like Juliet, for example, when she was growing up, she didn't have, she doesn't have family, you know, mm -hmm. she didn't have family. The only people she had was the people that were selling her to clients. And uh, so then it comes to a stage where the only person you can really rely on is a person in the mirror until mm -hmm. you get to a stage because the universe will bring that where it will then allow you to cross paths with somebody who you can bloody trust with everything, you know, and then you start building on it from there. But I don't know. It's just, it has been tough. It has been tough, but having help from, from friends, having help from family, from therapy, from coaching, that's what allows you self-care, you know, self-care is the biggest thing. And that's what allows you to carry on moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And, and just to come on to the family, because obviously when we sort of talk and share stories, families can go one of two ways, really, can't they? Um, and, you know, how have your family been around supporting you? Has that, has that, how has that been for you? Um, interesting question. So, they they've been great. My my family have been great. They've been great with with everything. They've been super proud that I've been getting out there with the story. Uh, there are members. I won't say what what rank in the family they are, but there are members of the family who have their concerns, and I understand the, the concerns. The concerns being they don't want people to find out this about the family. They don't want people to find out that about the family. Don't say my name. But then if I'm not saying the name, well, obviously you're talking about me if you're saying it in this way people are going to think of me and uh, i actually was speaking to somebody yesterday who said dude i want to share my story but i'm afraid it's gonna upset some people in the family and and i get my what the response i'm going to say now some people will, will not agree with it some people will agree with it but it's a path that i took and the path that i take is listen it, it's your story it's not your family's story it's not your mom's story it's not your dad's story it's no one else's story. It's your story. And if you're not sharing your story because of the potential reaction from people in your family, then that will not serve you well in, in the slightest. So you share your story. What you can do is not say names. What you can do is maybe live out a couple of details that doesn't indicate who you're specifically talking about, right? That's what you can do. And I recommend you do that if you're worried about your family's response. But at the end of the day, they just got a bloody respect that you're sharing your story. And if they don't respect it, that's not your problem. And that's literally the path that I took. I've, I've had conversations with members of my family. And my response was, listen, I will stop doing X. And, uh, but you need to understand that I'm not stopping my story. And my family, my family know me. And like they've been trying to, growing up, they've been trying to teach me X, Y, and Z. And I won't listen to them because I'm the type of person who will, listen, I understand you're saying X, Y, and Z. Let me go out and experience X, Y, and Z and learn from my own mistakes. I'm very much like going through. So they know that. So they can't really say much. But here's what I, here's what I say. I was on a podcast this morning and, uh, and I said the consequences of you living in silence far outweigh the consequences of you breaking that silence. And if you, if you just understand that to its core, then that should answer your question on, on how to break it uh, and, and when to break it and, and how, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and obviously that could be just with one person. Um, you, you know, not everyone has to do what you've done, obviously, which is obviously create a path and a purpose to support as many people as you can. But just yeah. by sharing your story with one person or five or whatever is 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 so important, isn't it? And that then when it's a physical, you know, everything that happens to our bodies stays happens to us stays in our bodies, and sadly, all of this can manifest in ways that many of us would never even understand or, or equate 
um, but you haven't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the last chapter of my book is called Ways to Break the Silence. And I say to people, just because I spoke to somebody, right, and that was how I shared my story, doesn't mean that needs to be the way for you. Because me, me sitting here with you, Joe, and telling you my story is a form of expression, right? And there's many different ways uh, to uh, or forms of expression. You can choreograph a dance piece. You can write a poem. You can journal. You can tell yourself in the mirror. Nobody else needs to hear, right? You can... Uh, another one I love to say is, you know, you'll see those paintings and it just looks like paint has just been splattered on it. Some people are like, they're looking at like, what on earth is this? And that might be a reaction, but I'll tell you what, right now, the, the person who did that is not, it. that is a form of expression. You know, that mm-hmm. is them breaking their silence off for 10 years. And that is them turning a blank canvas into a form of expression. So it's about literally when it comes to breaking silence, it's just about flicking that first piece. What is that first domino that you can flick over, write a sentence out? Okay, done. Okay, I've done it. I've done it. What's the next step? Put it into a journal. What's the next step? Tell yourself in the mirror. What's the next step? Telling my auntie, right? But if you go straight to telling your auntie from the first domino, that's a huge mountain to climb. But just go step by step and you'll get there. Yeah, and and for me, and obviously, you know, look, my authors and being fine, just the fact that they wrote that their first version was such a release for them. Um, and writing is such a powerful, you don't need to worry about your writing you know, and I, I personally recommend having done it myself a number of times now, just by writing your story, write it for yourself, write it to you, write it to a younger you or an older you or you in, a, in your next life. Um, write your own story, write it on, write it down, forget about the style and the grammar and all that, just ignore all that. It, it's it's in itself, I think, a very powerful thing to acknowledge what you've been through. Um, do you remember when you first wrote it down? How, how was that for you? Yeah. Uh, what, my story in general or the book? Um, no, your story in general. When you first, that first time when you, you, you just kind of allowed the words to flow, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was the, the, the first time I'd done it, wrote, so the first time I shared it was through video, but then I started to write it, um, like copy, you know, on posts. And I'm, I'm a big writer because I like to, I write scripts, I write, you know, the book, and it, it's a very therapeutic process it allows me to get the a thousand thoughts in my head out onto paper which i know all writers can relate to and it was very it's very therapeutic it allowed me to understand what i went through a lot better it allows me to understand the feelings that i was going through the feelings i wasn't aware of uh, and it was just so many doors were unlocking the more buttons i was typing on the keyboard yeah amazing and not only have you you know the, the extra amazing of all the amazing stuff you've done perry is to not just publish your story you've invited all these other authors you've got 14 other authors into your book sharing their story and breaking their silence which is just amazing so that's that's a you know a whole load of other people and their friends family audiences that um you know you kind of uh, you, you've created those ripples of of change yeah. which is amazing absolutely amazing Darl perry honestly i've, I've, um, I've so enjoyed talking to you tonight i feel very blessed, blessed to get in there now before, you know, the list is long and you've got an agent and, you, you know, you're <laughs> busy and you're kind of out in Hollywood with Tom Cruise or whatever. <laughs> I appreciate it. Keep, keep on talking. I'm loving this. this, this uh, I, I, I can see it. I can see it. I can see you getting out the limo. It'll be the BAFTAs and the Emmys and the whatever, whatever. But yeah. Like, yeah, okay, well, I interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, in March, March 21. Remember me. 
Uh, so listen, so I have asked you to join the Being Fine second edition message. We would love to have you, um, in part because Being Fine was always intended to be a whole range of male voices. Um, I'm very grateful and blessed to say that one of our new authors is going to be 79 years of age. He, it took him till the age of around 60 to break the silence, just to put it in perspective. Yeah, ma. And he is now ready to write. So after 79 years, he's now ready to start writing and he's going to write a chapter in our second edition of Being Fine. Um, so we would be thrilled to have you as part of our message, obviously, of helping yourself and supporting others which is very much the ethos of the book. Amazing. Oh, okay, well, so it, just to finish off, in case anyone is watching, Perry, that is suffering and is struggling, um, because you never know who watches this now or tomorrow or a week or a year's time, what can you, what could you advise them for someone who is suffering right now? Is that... It's easy for me to to say to you that you're not alone going through that because I'm sure you're aware of that. I know you're, you know, I'm sure that you're aware that you're not the only one who's gone through what you went through. Um, but what I will say is that whatever this external world you're viewing, so whether you think people are going to laugh at you, people are going to point fingers, people aren't going to believe you, whatever it is, it's, it's this external world you're viewing, you need to understand that it's just uh, it's just merely a reflection of your internal world, right? It's what you're internally seeing. And whatever you're internally seeing can be changed. So, And you have the power to change that. And I know that because I was sitting in my car, right? Seven takes it took me on video and I was crying and I stopped it because I didn't want people to see me cry because it made me less of a man. I put me back on and I wiped the tears. I didn't want to cry on it. And when I uploaded the video, I saw like 60 people had viewed the video, two people had left a comment. And in my mind, that, 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 that you know, the, the, um, the demon in my mind was saying, dude, so that's two comments, 60 people have watched it, take away two, that's 58. So 58 people have watched it and haven't left a comment. That's because they're all laughing at you, they're all pointing fingers, right? And, and I was going to delete the video. But I knew, and I knew that that was just a thought in my head that could be changed. So what I'd done, and it's just in a dialogue, right? And then you're in a dialogue, if you're not careful hold you prisoner so i took mm -hmm. the phone and i threw it to the back of my car and i just started driving but i threw it to the back of my car and started driving so i couldn't reach back and grab the phone i couldn't reach it by the time i got home 30 minutes later i checked my phone and there was not one there was hundreds of like it's on facebook now you can go and check it out there was not hundreds of comments hundreds of likes messages and there was not one negative comment not one not mm -hmm. one and that right there is proof that for years, I thought all of those comments would have been negative and it wasn't one single one. So if you're living in silence, I just want you to know that you've got brothers and sisters all around you, all over the world who have suffered in silence. They've broken it and they want you to do the same thing because life, it, it gets a much lighter, right? You're carrying a lot of weight on you because you live in a silence and you can drop that weight as soon as you break that silence. Brilliant. Thank you. And, and, and by the way, I just want to let everybody know that my... DMs are open. I don't care what I've got going on in my day. If you message me and you're coming to me, you're confiding in me with your story, you best believe that I'm messaging you back and I'll stay with you whilst you're breaking your silence. So I'm always open for that. My DMs are always open. That's amazing. And that's really kind. Um, and I hope you manage to keep that as you, you know, get busier and busier, which I'm sure you will, but that's an incredible kindness and generosity of your time. So. Can I just say something in that, Joe, quickly? Um, 
that's a very interesting point you just said there because I've had a couple of people say to me, you know, they're like, let's just let's just fast forward two years, and let's just say you're at like Lewis House's level, for example, right? And because it looks, and and I see that because Lewis House, um, I'm following a very very similar path to Lewis House. He was abused when he was younger. He created a masculine masculinity. It's very very similar, and I, I didn't plan it out to be that way. And he has numerous people messaging him, and I I know, and I know, and I'm not going to follow his path. Um. Like if you message him, I personally don't believe it's him that's messaging back. I believe that he has somebody that does that. Mm. But but to me, that goes against my values. I don't care how big I am. I I don't care. I would rather if it if it was one or the other, not message somebody back, than have an assistant message them, pretending mm. that they're me. Never gonna happen. And mm. I will be. I don't care. I just I, I I know me I know my my values like all the profits from this book right so I left my business behind last year I and uh, in February so I lost I lost my main income right right now I'm putting all my trust in the universe right that 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 thing is just going to pan out and I'm talking about income wise as well I'm I'm writing this I wrote this book I could have easily done a fifty fifty split on on the money every single penny goes to profit mm-hmm. and. That's because it's in line with my values because I'm not in any of this to make money. I'm in this to, to create an impact. And I know when I'm there, it's going to be the same thing because I wouldn't be there without, without this, this way of thinking. I just wanted to say that because that's a lot of people have asked that question recently and it's just been yeah. getting me thinking. I'm like, no, my values are very much in line. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, who's the actress on, on stage once? Um, oh my gosh. Uh, I've forgotten her name. Now. Dakota Johnson. She oh, yeah. was on stage receiving an award once and, and she was talking about abuse in the movie industry. Um, and she said, I promise you that when my phone, so she did it this way, and here you go, this is when you're in the in the realms of with Dakota Johnson. Uh, she uh, she said, I promise if you ring my phone and it answers, it's uh, this is my special phone number to be there for you. And you can ring this anytime. This, if it doesn't ring at all, then I'm not there. But if it rings, I will pick it up. It will only ever be me. And, and what a beautiful thing. And she had a whole night of phone calls then from women that have suffered abuse in the movie industry. Um, and it was one of most powerful things um, that I've ever seen um, an award ceremony. And then she got her other fr- her Hollywood A-star friends to do the same. Yeah. Um, just for you know a section of time, a certain number, you pick it up, you ring, and you can speak to me. Um, yeah. And it was just what an, a, a great offering. Goodness me, honestly, I'm just blown away by our conversation tonight. And thank you for watching and listening. I hope you've been as blown away as I have by this incredible man. You are just remarkable. And what you've done already is remarkable. Um, and watch this space because you are, will continue to inspire, I'm sure, and give so many people hope and so many young people hope um, that that life can get better. Thank um, you, and Break the silence like you've done. Perry Power's book is available on Amazon. Um, it's amazing, and I'd like a signed copy. Can I have a signed copy? I've <laughs> still got time to sign it. <laughs> we can do that, Joe. Awesome. And um, yeah, you can reach out to Perry, Perry Power. Very easy to find um, and uh, find out more about him on all social media, obviously, especially TikTok. And when are you in the sun? Is it tomorrow? The um, so, no, they've still got the article. It'll be coming out at the end of this week, beginning of next week. Brilliant. It'd be on my. I don't have a date yet, but it'd be on my. It, it would be very much the case of they'll email me now and say it's up tomorrow. It'd be like that type of thing. You yeah, know, very brilliant. last minute. Yeah, brilliant. 
okay well i'm going to badge you about being in fine and being fine obviously um <laughs> but no it'll be a, a joy to have you in there too but thank you for all that you do it's amazing and thank you for being on tonight thank you goodbye very thank you very much thanks bye. for listening thanks for watching see you next week at the same time bye bye